You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Wise Guys, you guys know sports, here live on the Worldwide Sports Network, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins on the Wise Guys Sports Show, it's the NFL Playoffs, NFL Wild Card Weekend is upon us, ladies and gentlemen, come on in and sit a while, folks, everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter, at Wise Guys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys, be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at these guys. No sports. Man, it is finally here. The NFL playoffs are here in the AFC and in the NFC. So many big-time matchups we are going to get into tonight. I'm going to discuss the NFL playoff field on Tuesday night show. I already previewed the Ravens, Bengals, AFC North playoff matchup that's going to take place at Paycar Stadium on Sunday night on NBC. So I already previewed that matchup. By the way, Bengal fans don't get confused. Just because I have an orange sweatshirt on doesn't mean I'm going to be rooting for the Bengals, even though they are the hometown team. I am a Packer fan at heart, but, you know, we'll see what happens in that Bengals-Ravens matchup. Also, I preview Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence. That matchup will take place Saturday night on NBC. So I'm excited for that matchup. Two young quarterbacks in the NFL. Their first playoff starts in Herbert, in Lawrence. Going to be a big-time matchup down there in Jacksonville. It's been a while since the Jaguars were actually relevant. And the Chargers got expectations. So I'm excited for that matchup. And then on Sunday afternoon, we got Dolphins. We got Bills, an AFC East matchup. In Buffalo, in the 4 o'clock window, on Fox, it's the Giants, it's the Vikings, in Minnesota, U.S. Bank Stadium. Excited for that matchup. Daniel Jones versus Kirk Cousins. Two teams who faced off against each other earlier in the season. And then in the primetime window, Sunday night, Ravens-Bengals at Pekar Stadium. And then on Monday night. We got the Cowboys. We got the Buccaneers. It's Dak Prescott. It's Tom Brady. It's CeeDee Lamb. It's Mike Evans. Okay? We got a big-time matchup in the NFC. Monday Night Football on ESPN. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on the call. So I'm going to preview that matchup a little bit later on in the show as well. So we got some great, great football this weekend to look forward to. And all the wild-card matchups this weekend are previous matchups from the regular season. So definitely, definitely excited about that. And also, one of my segments tonight, I'm going to rank all the playoff quarterbacks 1 through 14. So I'm going to talk about that also as well. 
And it's a possibility that my man, Brian Snow of Snowman in the Morning, is going to call into the show, and we're going to discuss this Seahawks-49ers matchup that's going to take place on Saturday, Saturday around 4.30 on Fox. And honestly, that's where we're going to begin on the show tonight. We got an NFC West battle in the Bay. It's the Seahawks at the 49ers. The 49ers are favored by nine and a half points. It's a 4.30 kickoff on Fox. The over-under for this game is 42 and a half points. And these two teams faced off against each other earlier in the season. They played in week two in the Bay. That was the game where Trey Lance had his season-ending injury. The 49ers, they beat the Seahawks 27-7. to Geno Smith struggled in the first matchup. He went 24 of 30. He threw for 197 passing yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Jimmy Garoppolo came in and replaced Trey Lance. Garoppolo went 13 of 21. He threw for 154 passing yards, one touchdown in that game. And then they faced off against each other again in week 15. This was a Thursday night game in Seattle. The 49ers, they beat the Seahawks 21 to 13. In that game, Brock Purdy got the start for the 49ers. He went 17 of 26, 217 passing yards, two touchdowns. George Kittle had four receptions, 93 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Geno Smith, he went 31 of 44. He threw for 238 passing yards, one touchdown. They got a lot of history. I'm talking about Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick, Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, Michael Crabtree, Richard Sherman. So much history between the Seahawks and the 49ers, two teams that do not like each other. So, this is going to be a big-time matchup. The 49ers are big, big favorites in this game, but the Seahawks are familiar with the 49ers. They know what it takes to beat the 49ers. And that's where I want to start off with. I want to start off with the Seattle Seahawks and how they have played this season. The Seahawks, they were able to sneak into the postseason with a 9-8 record. They beat the Rams in Week 18. They needed some help from the Detroit Lions. The Lions beat the Packers at Lambeau Field, and the Seahawks took advantage of it, and they punched their ticket to the playoffs. This year, the reason why the Seahawks are in the playoffs is because Geno Smith has revitalized his career. Geno Smith has had a great season this year, and I believe that he should win the NFL Comeback player of the year award he has done a great job for the seattle seahawks this year 30 touchdowns 11 interceptions 4282 passing yards he's completed 70 percent of his passes this year which is the best in the nfl that's the best in the nfl and i believe that geno smith is going to have to make some plays for this seahawks team have a chance at winning this football game because I like the running back that the Seahawks have in the backfield. It's rookie running back Kenneth Walker, and Kenneth Walker 
He had over 1,000 yards rushing this year, nine touchdowns. I like his playmaking ability. But this defensive football team in the 49ers, they are led by defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, and they are stout against the run. You cannot run the ball against this 49ers defense. The 49ers defensively, they only give up 78 rushing yards per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. So I believe in order for the Seahawks to have a chance at pulling off the upset in San Francisco, they're going to need some production out of Geno Smith in the passing game. Geno Smith is going to have to play his best game of the season for the, the Seahawks to have a chance. He's going to have to play his best game because I don't believe that the Seahawks are going to be able to run the football. I mean, that 49ers defensive front that has Nick Bosa, Arik Armstead, they got linebackers like Fred Warner and Greenlaw. It's hard to run against that 49ers defense. So I believe the key is going to be that Seahawks passing attack featuring DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And this year, for whatever reason, DK Metcalf, he's been quiet to me. He's had a quiet season, even though he does have over 1,000 yards receiving this year. 90 receptions, six total touchdowns this year. The best game of the season from DK Metcalf came against the Detroit Lions in that shootout in Detroit. When it was Seattle versus Detroit, Metcalf had the best game of the season that day. But besides that, Metcalf, he hasn't had a great game so far this year. In order for the Seahawks to have a chance to upset the 49ers, DK Metcalf has to play his best football of the season. You got to play his best football of the season for them to have a chance. An X factor for the Seahawks offensively is also going to be their tight end, Noah Fant. Noah Fant is going to have to produce in the passing game and win his matchup against those 49ers linebackers. Like Fred Warner, we know how great Fred Warner is at being able to stuff the run. But I believe if there's any weakness in Fred Warner's game, it's in coverage on passing downs. So Noah Fant is going to have to win his matchup against Fred Warner for the Seahawks to have an opportunity and have a chance. And I think offensively, that's going to be the key for, for the Seahawks. It's going to be on Geno Smith. Kenneth Walker will not be able to run the football against that elite 49ers defense. Now, we know that the Seahawks, they are led by Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll is one of the best coaches in the NFL. And he's been doing it for a very, very long time at the NFL level. And remember, Pete Carroll had a lot of success even at the collegiate level with USC. So far since he's been a head coach in the NFL, Pete Carroll, he's 161 and 112 and 1 in the regular season. So he's won 59% of his games. He's 11 and 10 in the postseason, though. So ever since Legion of Boom featuring Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, Pete Carroll has struggled in the postseason. He struggled in the postseason. 11 and 10 postseason record, it's okay. 52% of his games, we know he won a Super Bowl. He should have two Super Bowls on his resume had they gave the football to Beast Mode 
Marshawn Lynch in that Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. But Pete Carroll is more than capable at being able to will his Seattle Seahawks to an upset win in Seattle. Now, when you switch gears, on the other side, the 49ers, they are led by rookie quarterback Brock Purdy. And so far this season, Brock Purdy has been impressive. 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,374 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes. So once again, Kyle Shanahan is doing major, major work without an elite quarterback. It seems like whoever Kyle Shanahan inserts into the starting quarterback position for the 49ers, they thrive. We all know that Jimmy Garoppolo has never been confused with the elite quarterback. You can never confuse Jimmy G to be an elite quarterback. And Kyle Shanahan was able to get Jimmy Garoppolo to a Super Bowl. Remember, Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC Championship game against the Packers, the man threw eight passes. Eight passes, and the 49ers blew out the Packers in San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. So Kyle Shanahan is one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he's a tremendous play caller. The only problem we got with Kyle Shanahan is him finishing games. Remember back in the 2016 Super Bowl, that year where the Falcons got to the Super Bowl, Matt Ryan won the NFL MVP that season. They were going up against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They were up 28-3 to in that Super Bowl. They couldn't finish that deal, and Kyle Shanahan deserves some of that blame. And then in the Super Bowl a few years ago, against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, going into the fourth quarter of that game, the 49ers, they had a 20-10 to 10 lead over the Chiefs. And they couldn't finish that deal against the Chiefs that day. So the only question we got about Kyle Shanahan is if he can finish in the Super Bowl. But we ain't got no questions about Kyle Shanahan in the earlier rounds of the playoffs. Now, offensively, we know that the 49ers – they made a big trade midseason, and I thought it was the trade of the year. Bringing in Christian McCaffrey was a tremendous pickup by John Lynch, the general manager for the 49ers, and Kyle Shanahan. Because I believe that McCaffrey, he fits right into the 49ers scheme perfectly for the season. McCaffrey has 159 carries, 746 rushing yards, six touchdowns. Only questions we had about McCaffrey was whether or not he could stay healthy throughout the course of a playoff run for the 49ers. If he can, I believe the 49ers are the favorites, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL overall. They're, they have tremendous weapons as well at the receiver position. They got Debo Samuel. They got Brandon Ayuk. And they also got George Kittle. I think George Kittle is a top three tight end in the NFL. He's the best run-blocking tight end that we have currently in the NFL. I love Travis Kelsey. I love Darren Waller. But neither of those two tight ends block the way that George Kittle blocks in this 49ers offense. So this is going to be a great matchup. I think this game is going to be much closer than most people are anticipating. I think that the Seahawks 
Geno Smith is going to have to have the best game of his career. He's going to have the best have the best game of his career for the Seahawks to pull off the upset. And they're going to have to make some plays in the passing game. This year, passes of 20 yards or more downfield. This is Geno Smith in two games versus the 49ers. He only has 27 passing yards of yards down the field. No t- passing touchdowns. Against the other teams that they played this year, he, he has 14. He has 819 total passing yards of 20 yards or more downfield, and he's went 29 of 62. So, for whatever reason, against the 49ers, the passing offense by the Seahawks is not as good. But that 49ers defense is elite. Nick Bosa, we know he's going to have an impact on this game. One of the best pass rushers that we have in the NFL. He has five sacks in four games against the Seahawks, and Nick Bosa has the most quarterback hits this season with 48. 48 total quarterback hits this year for Nick Bosa. And defensively, the 49ers, they allow the fewest points per game. They only give up 16 points per game and only 301 yards per game. Those both are ranked first in the NFL. So I think this is going to be a much, much better game than people are anticipating. It's an NFC West battle. So many playoff matchups and battles between both of these teams. But all that being said, I believe that the 49ers are going to beat the Seahawks Saturday afternoon in San Francisco. I'm going 49ers 24, Seahawks 17. So I don't have the 49ers covering on that nine and a half spread. But I do have the Seahawks keeping this game competitive. But I think the 49ers are going to be too much for the Seattle Seahawks. 49ers 24, Seahawks 17. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss an AFC East battle between the Dolphins and the Bills. I'll be right back. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. NFL Wild Card Weekend is upon us. So let's transition to an AFC East playoff battle. It's the Dolphins. It's the Bills. In Buffalo, the Bills are heavy favorites, minus 12 and a half points in this game. It's a one o'clock kickoff on CBS. The over-under for this game is 43 and a half points. Obviously, these two teams are very, very familiar with one another. They have a lot of matchups in the AFC East. So they played each other in week three in Miami. The Dolphins beat the Bills 21-19. In that game, Josh Allen went 42 of 63. He threw for 400 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Tua went 13 of 18. He threw for 186 passing yards, 
one touchdown, no interceptions. Jalen Waddle had a great game. He went four receptions, 102 receiving yards. And this was the game when we started to take the Dolphins serious. I mean, it's early in the season. It, it, it's only week three, but they had started off the season already 2-0. and And this game against the Bills was a game where we wanted to see if the Dolphins were for real. They were for real. And they won that game 21-19 in week three. But if you look at the stat sheet, the Bills honestly dominated in every major statistical category. The Bills had more first downs than the Dolphins. The Bills had more rushing yards than the Dolphins. The Bills had more passing yards than the Dolphins. And the Bills dominated the time of possession. But the Bills had four fumbles in that game. They lost one of those fumbles. So they fumbled the ball four times. They were sloppy. They had seven penalties in that game. And the, the Dolphins, they sacked Josh Allen four times. That was their matchup in week three. Now, they played again in week 15. This time, this game was in Buffalo. The Bills beat the Dolphins 32 tonight to 29. Tua went 17 of 30. He threw for 234 passing yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, three receptions, 114 receiving yards, one touchdown. Josh Allen went 25 of 40. He threw for 304 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. In that game, I thought in that matchup, the Dolphins outplayed the Bills, but the Bills were able to outlast the Dolphins in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, the Bills, they outscored the Dolphins 11-3. to In this playoff matchup, the biggest difference for the Dolphins is they're not going to have Tua. Head coach Mike McDaniel, he already ruled out Tua versus the Bills in this game. So Tua is not going to play. So the Dolphins are preparing to start Skylar Thompson. Teddy Bridgewater is also dealing with another nagging injury as well. So when I look at the Miami Dolphins offensively, with Skylar Thompson, their offense is going to be limited. It's going to be limited. We know they have weapons in Tyreek Hill, in Jalen Waddle, and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both had tremendous seasons this year. Both had over 1,000 yards receiving this year. Both had seven touchdowns or more this season. And they were the key pieces for this Miami Dolphins offense. Offensively, the Miami Dolphins they averaged 380 yards per game. That's ranked sixth in the NFL. They averaged 265 yards passing. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. So Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are the key pieces in this Dolphins offense. But I'm not sure Skylar Thompson is going to be able to deliver them the football in the open field for them to be able to make plays. Because they're going to have to make plays going up against this elite Bills offense. It's going to be a track meet. The same way when they met earlier in the season, late in Buffalo, that game finished 32-29. to In order for the Dolphins to have a chance at winning this game and beating Josh Allen in that building in Buffalo with that crowd, they're going to have to score some points. And I don't believe Thompson can do it. And... Seven games played this year. Skylar Thompson, he has one touchdown, 
three interceptions. He has 534 passing yards. He's completed 57% of his passes. I just don't believe he has the capabilities to keep the Dolphins in this game. He went to Kansas State. So, you know, that, that was where he went to college to play football. Again, he's 6'2", 217 pounds. He's 25 years of age. I don't believe Skylar Thompson has enough when it comes to his overall talent to keep the Dolphins in this football game. I really, really don't. If the Dolphins had Teddy Bridgewater, I would give them a better chance at being able to pull off the upset in Buffalo. We know Teddy Bridgewater is a proven veteran quarterback. He's been in the playoffs before. He's played with championship organizations like the Saints. He also played at one point in his career with the Minnesota Vikings, and he led them to the playoffs. So Teddy Bridgewater has a lot of experience in the playoffs. But without Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think the Dolphins have much of a chance in this game. Now, the one thing I will say is a key for the Dolphins is going to be whether or not they can run the football. Because if they can run the football, that could help take some pressure off of Thompson. Problem is, the Dolphins, they're not very good at running the football. They average 99 rushing yards per game. That's tied for 25th in the NFL. So that's not impressive at all. And this year, the Dolphins, they've only had one time where they've had a 30-yard run. Only one time where they had a 30-yard run, it came against the Bills. It was a 67-yard run by Raheem Mozart. That's the only 30-yard or more run that they've had this year. In order for them to have a chance at being able to pull off the upset, they're going to need some, some quality production from their running backs in Mozart, in Edmonds, in Wilson. They got to produce. They have to produce because Thompson's going to get overwhelmed and that Buffalo crowd is going to be going crazy out there in Buffalo. They're going to be going crazy. And I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but if, if they just show DeMar Hamlin's face on the big screen out there in Buffalo, if he's watching the game from home, that Buffalo crowd is going to go crazy. They're going to go crazy. So I think they have to establish the running game in order to have a chance if you're the Miami Dolphins. I think defensively, they have to somehow, some way, create turnovers and fluster Josh Allen into turning the football over. They're going to need to have to force Josh Allen and that Bills offense to turn the football over. And guess what? They're going to have to also score. <laughs> the Dolphins defense is going to have to score in order to have a chance at winning this football game. They can't give up 400 passing yards to Josh Allen like they did in week three in Miami and think that they're going to have a chance at pulling off the upset. Cannot happen. Cannot happen. Now, this Dolphins defense, they are decent overall. Like, they, they do pretty well. Like, when you look at their statistics, they give up 337 total yards per game. That's ranked seventh in the NFL. 
but they're not that good against the pass. They're in the middle of the pack against the pass. They give up 215 total yards per game in the passing game. That's ranked 15th in the NFL. That's going to be key for them. That's going to be key. That 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 defense by the Dolphins is just not very good. It's not very good. They give up 24 yards, I mean 24 points per game. That's ranked 24th in the NFL. And I, the stat that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, that was for the Bills. I'm sorry, I misread it. That was for the Bills. The Dolphins, they give up 235 passing yards per game. That's ranked 27. That's, that plays right into the hands of the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, they have an elite offense. They got Josh Allen at quarterback. They got Stephon Diggs at receiver, one of the best receivers that we have in the NFL. They got Gabriel Davis. We know how elite Gabriel Davis is as a number two receiver in that Bills offense. They got Isaiah McKinney. They got Dawson Knox at tight end. So this Bills offense is elite. They are elite. The Bills offensively, they average 408 total yards per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. They average 258 passing yards per game. That's ranked seventh in the NFL. They average 28 points per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. And they convert on 50% of their third down plays, which is ranked first in the NFL. The Dolphins defense, they have their work cut out for them. They got their work cut out. And you look at their defensive statistics, they're not good. They're tied for 24th on getting off the field on third down. They only get off the field on 42% on their third down plays. They give up. 355 total yards per game, which is ranked 18th in the NFL. So it's going to be a struggle for the Dolphins. I don't see them being able to keep pace with this Bills offense. And it's sad because I believe that the Dolphins, they have the weapons in place to score a lot of points in Tyreek Ty Hill and Jalen Waddle. So it's, it's kind of it's frustrating as a fan watching this game Sunday afternoon in Buffalo. Because I know what the Dolphins are capable of if Tua actually played in this football game. And if you're the Dolphins organization, considering the concussions that Tua has had this year, we got to question whether or not Tua will ever play again in the NFL and if his career is in jeopardy. We don't know. He's been dealing with so many concussions. And at this point, I just want Tua to be healthy. Because you have to have a life after football. I want Tua to be healthy and be able to function in life. And, you know, if you're the Miami Dolphins organization, you, you got to really seriously consider whether or not Tua is your franchise quarterback moving forward. But they have a, a, a good football team that could compete in this game. But with, with, with Thompson at quarterback, I just don't see them being able to keep it close. So with all that being said, I know these teams are division rivals, and I believe that the Bills are going to cover on this 12-and-a-half spread. I'm going to go Buffalo Bills 35, Dolphins 13. I think the Bills are going to blow out the Dolphins in this game. The Dolphins had a good season. They finished the season 9-8, and eight, and they got back to the postseason this year and they were contenders in the AFC East. But they're going to get blown out in this football game. Bills 35, Dolphins 13. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter. 
at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, WiseGuys. And be sure to follow WiseGuys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Derek Carr and his goodbye to Raider fans. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this beautiful Thursday, January the 12th, in the house with your boy Trey Larkers on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Which matchup this weekend are you most excited about? On wildcard weekend in the NFL, so many big time matchups, matchups that we saw in the regular season. So which matchup are you the most excited about this weekend in the NFL? And also call in to give me your top five playoff quarterbacks, one through five. I'm going to discuss my playoff quarterback rankings here in a bit, one through 14. But if you want to call into the show and give me your top five quarterbacks currently in the NFL playoff field, feel free to do so. Um, The phone lines are open. So call into the show and give me your top quarterbacks in the playoffs. Let's transition to Las Vegas. And let's talk about Derek Carr as the Las Vegas Raiders. They have began trade talks and trying to deal Derek Carr. So Derek Carr, he went on Twitter earlier and he posted a goodbye message to Raider Nation. This is Derek Carr. He says, quote, Raider Nation, it breaks my heart. I didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye in person. We certainly have been on a roller coaster and are nine years together. From the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful and appreciative of the years of support you gave to me and my family. We had our share of both heartbreaking moments and thrilling game-winning drives, and it always felt like you were there next to me. That was Derek Carr's goodbye to the Las Vegas Raiders fan base. Let me be very, very clear about where I stand with Derek Carr. Derek Carr, in nine seasons with the Raiders, Derek Carr had 217 touchdowns, 99 interceptions. He had 35,222 passing yards. He completed 65% of his passes as a starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. I believe that Derek Carr is a mediocre quarterback. He's not great, but I believe he's a mediocre quarterback, and he only led the Raiders to the playoffs one time in nine years. One time he led the Raiders to the postseason. That happened last year when the Raiders faced off against the Bengals here in Cincinnati. And in that game, Derek Carr, he went 29 of 54. He had 310 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. He completed 54% of his passes. So he's 0-1 in the playoffs. Only one playoff appearance in nine seasons. 
I believe that Derek Carr is going to be remembered more for the person that he was more so than the player. Last year, the Raiders had so much turmoil in that organization. Henry Ruggs got into a car accident where he was drinking and driving, killed an opposing driver, so he's facing jail time. His life and the, and, the, and the lady who he killed and her family, their lives are ruined forever. And also, last year, the Raiders had the scandal that was going on with John Gruden and all the emails, so they had to fire John Gruden. It was a mess last year with that Las Vegas Raiders football team. And I thought Derek Carr showed great leadership last year, and he helped the Raiders get to the postseason because he was, was a tremendous person, not only in that locker room, but for the entire city of Las Vegas. Last year, the Raiders finished with a record of 10-7, and seven, and they snuck into the playoffs. Remember, in Week 18, they were home against the Chargers, and I expected Justin Herbert and the Chargers to beat Derek Carr and the Raiders and get to the postseason. But afterwards, I had to give Derek Carr a lot of credit because last year, he did a great job leading this franchise to the playoffs in a year where it was turmoil all around the organization. All around the organization. And last year, Derek Carr had 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, had over 4,800 passing yards. But his numbers weren't great, but I thought he did a great job with his leadership and being a leader of men. I believe when you are a quarterback in the NFL, players, they have to believe in you in order for your team to be its best version of itself. That's the reason why I think the Packers struggle in the playoffs because a lot of those players in that Packers locker room, they know Aaron Rodgers don't believe in them deep down. They know that Aaron Rodgers is selfish. He's about himself. And that's the reason why you see the Packers struggle in big moments, in big games. But I thought last year, Derek Carr, he was the complete opposite of Aaron Rodgers. He was a team first player, and he did everything he possibly could to help that Raiders team get to the postseason and be a legit contender in the AFC. I give him a lot of credit because they had interim head coach Rich Basaccia, and they didn't even know if they wanted to bring Rich Basaccia back. So it was so many things that was going on in that organization that were unknown. They didn't know if they wanted to bring Rich Basaccia back. You know, their receiving core wasn't up to par. That's why they made the trade in the offseason for Devontae Adams. But I thought Derek Carr did a great job as a leader in that Raiders locker room. And again, for me, I believe as a quarterback, Derek Carr is an average quarterback. I think Derek Carr is in that same stratosphere as a Dak Prescott, as a Matthew Stafford. Despite Matthew Stafford winning a Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford is on that level with Derek Carr and Dak Prescott, even Ryan Tannehill. I think they're, they're all on the same level. I would, I would take Derek Carr slightly above Ryan Tannehill. I think Derek Carr and Dak Prescott are equivalent. I think if 
you swapped Derek Carr for Dak Prescott, I think the Cowboys would be in the postseason right with Derek Carr the same way they are in the postseason with Dak Prescott. So I think Derek Carr is a average quarterback, and I think that he's going to help another NFL team out there become contenders. And one of the teams that I'm looking forward to seeing if they will possibly trade for Derek Carr, and I know everyone's going to be surprised when I say this, we don't know whether or not Tua Tagovailoa is going to be able to continue his career with all these concussions. If I am Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins, you already got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. If you pair Derek Carr up in Miami with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddle, with Jacecki at tight end, and Mike McDaniel in that system, I think Derek Carr could have some success with the Miami Dolphins. And I believe the Miami Dolphins could be contenders, not only in the AFC East, but in the AFC overall. No, Derek Carr is not elite, like a Mahomes or like a Herbert or like a Burrow or Allen. But I think Derek Carr is the true definition of a stable quarterback. He, he, he stabilizes your organization and your football team. I hear Colin Cowherd on the Herd always talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and how Jimmy G is a stabilizer and all that. Give me a break. Give me Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo 10 out of 10 times and twice on Sundays. So I think if you add Derek Carr to the mix in Miami, I, I like that relationship that he could form with Mike McDaniel, and I like that fit. I really, really do. And here's the thing, another thing to think about. Speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo, Remember, Mike McDaniel is a protege from that Kyle Shanahan system. And this year, we saw what Tua was able to do in that system under Mike McDaniel. This year, Tua had the best season of his career. 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He was great this year. This was the best season that Tua ever had. So I believe that if you, you know, take out Tua and you insert Derek Carr, I like that mix in Miami. Derek Carr, Mike McDaniel, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I like it. I think it could be a good fit. So that's the team that I'm looking forward to seeing if they make a move for Derek Carr and possibly trade with the Las Vegas Raiders. Look out for the Miami Dolphins. They are one of those teams that I believe they bring in Derek Carr. Average quarterback, but on a good day, he could be a good quarterback if he's at his best. I think that Dolphins football team will definitely be contenders in the AFC East. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. Call to the show 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. That is the number to dial. Which game are you the most excited to see this weekend in the NFL? It's going to be a great, great wild card weekend. So we have a lot of good games, and all these teams that are playing on wild card weekend are teams that already previously played in a regular season. So call to the show. Let me know who you believe is going to be the best matchup this weekend. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. It is NFL Wild Card Weekend. Some big, big time games. Let's go through the schedule real quick while we have a, a few minutes. We have the NFC West battle on Fox. It's the Seahawks. It's the 49ers. It's Pete Carroll. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's Geno Smith. It's Brock Purdy. We got a big-time matchup in the NFC West in the Bay, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. And then in the nightcap on Saturday night, it's Justin Herbert. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's the Chargers. It's the Jaguars. Saturday, 8.15 kickoff on NBC. I cannot wait for that matchup. That is probably the matchup that I'm most excited to see this weekend. Herbert versus Lawrence. I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for that matchup in primetime Saturday night under the bright lights. And then Sunday afternoon, the previous game that I just talked about, it's the Dolphins, it's the Bills, it's the AFC East battle in Buffalo. One o'clock kickoff on CBS. The matchup I'm going to preview here shortly. It's the Giants, it's the Vikings, it's Daniel Jones, it's Kirk Cousins, 4.30 Eastern time, kickoff on Fox, and then the nightcap here in Cincinnati, Ohio, in the Queen City, at Paycar Stadium, it's the AFC North playoff matchup, Ravens, Bengals, 8.15 kickoff on NBC, and then. Monday Night Football, ESPN, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on the call. It's Dak Prescott. It's Tom Brady. It's the Cowboys. It's the Buccaneers. It's CeeDee Lamb. It's Mike Evans. It's the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on ESPN. Can't wait for that matchup as well. So we got some big-time matchups this weekend on Wild Card Weekend. But let's transition to the NFC, it's the New York Giants traveling to take on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are favored by three points. It's a 4.30 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The over-under for this game is 48.5 points. These two teams faced off against each other in week 16. The Vikings beat the Giants 27-24. In that game, Daniel Jones played sensational. He went 30 of 42. He threw for 334 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, he went 34 of 48. He threw for 299 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and the Vikings were able to beat the Giants. They outscored the Giants 17 to 11 in the fourth quarter. That ended up being the difference in the game and the reason why the Vikings beat the Giants. So when I look at this matchup, let's start off with the Giants. Daniel Jones this year, he has made progress as a quarterback. And I believe the reason why he's made progress is because of Brian Dayball, the new head coach for the New York Giants. The job that he has done 
leading Daniel Jones this season. I can't say enough about the job that Brian Dayball has done. I know on Tuesday night show, when I did my preview on the Chargers-Jaguars matchup, I talked about how Doug Peterson deserved NFL Coach of the Year. You can make an argument for Brian Dayball to be the NFL Coach of the Year because what he's been able to do with Daniel Jones this year, it's, it's, it's nothing short of sensational because I was not a believer in Daniel Jones. And honestly, I'm still not. I'll get to that, to that here in a bit. But this year, Daniel Jones, he's had a good season. 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, 3,205 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes. Coming into this season, I was of the belief that if Daniel Jones doesn't play well for the New York Giants, they need to figure out a way to draft a quarterback because Daniel Jones is not the answer. And this year, he has been very, very impressive. And in that matchup against the Vikings in week 16, he had over 300 yards passing in that game. That was one of the best games of the season for Daniel Jones. Now, the strength of this Giants offense is Saquon Barkley. I, I love the season that Saquon Barkley is having, and I believe that Saquon Barkley should also be in the mix for comeback player of the year. He's been sensational this year. 295 carries, 1,312 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns on the season. He's been that security blanket for Daniel Jones. So whenever Daniel Jones gets in trouble, they can rely on Saquon Barkley in the running game, and he can help them move the chains. He's averaging over four yards per carry this year. Saquon is big time. He's big time. And I think he has elevated himself to be in that conversation again with the best running backs in the NFL. So I love what he's been able to do this year. And he's the strength of their football team because I don't believe in the Giants receivers. Darius Slayton, Richie James. I, I just don't believe in the Giants receiving core. I really, really don't. This kid named Isaiah Hodgins. Like, I don't believe in their receiving core whatsoever. I believe the only chance that the Giants have is depending on Saquon Barkley to be productive in the running game. I don't like the Giants receiving core. I really, really don't. The Giants, overall, as an offense, they're ranked 26 in the NFL and total passing yards per game. They average 186 passing yards per game. So they're ranked in the bottom half and throwing the football. Now, they can run the football with Saquon Barkley. They're ranked, 100, they're ranked fourth in the NFL. They average 148 rushing yards per game. That's the strength of their offense. So they're going to have to run the football in order to be effective against this Vikings defense. But the thing is, the Vikings defense is one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL defensively. The Vikings defense, they give up 266 passing yards per game. That's ranked 31st in the NFL. 31st in the NFL, and let me name some of the quarterbacks who faced the Vikings this year, 
since Thanksgiving and the numbers that they have put up. In week 12, Mac Jones, he put up 382 passing yards against that Vikings defense. Mike White, Mike White, he put up 369 passing yards. Jared Goff in week 14, he had 330 passing yards against that Vikings defense. Matt Ryan in week 15 had 182 passing yards. We know how terrible Matt Ryan's season was this year. Daniel Jones in week 16, 334 yards passing this year in that game against the Vikings. 334 yards passing. So you, you can throw the football against that Vikings defense. You really, really can. And, you know, defensively, they are not even that good against the run. They give up 123 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 20th in the NFL. This Vikings defense is not great. They got Kendricks at linebacker. They got Hicks at linebacker as well up front. They got Zadarius Smith. You still got Hunter at linebacker in the secondary. They got Patrick Peterson. They got Harrison Smith. I mean, Patrick Peterson, he's past his prime as well. I'm not impressed with this Vikings defense whatsoever. So I think the strength of the Giants is to run the football. But I think that the Vikings have been so bad against the pass that the Giants, they may need to see if Daniel Jones can make some explosive plays in the passing game against this Vikings pass defense. That's how bad the Vikings pass defense has been this year. They've been terrible. So that's going to be interesting to see. Now, let's switch gears to the other side of the ball. The Vikings, they are led by Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins this year quietly has had a good season. For the season, Kirk Cousins, he has 29 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He has 4,547 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes. I believe that Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. But Kirk Cousins is not to be confused with an elite quarterback because in primetime moments, Kirk Cousins comes up small. When the lights are at its brightest, that's when Kirk Cousins shrinks and he doesn't play well in primetime games. I'm going to give you all an interesting stat. This is Kirk Cousins during his career. This is in college and with Washington. This is in late window games. With the Vikings, he is 5-9, and nine, and his average loss is by 15 points or more. That's in late window games. Late window games are 4.30 and on. And in, in Washington, in late window games, Kirk Cousins was 2-9. and nine. Even in Michigan State, in college, their late window games are considered 3.30 and on for the start time. He was three and six. So Kirk Cousins is 10 and 24 overall since he came out of high school in late prime time games. That's not good. Not good at all. Now, the one time where Kirk Cousins actually played well in the playoffs was when the 
Vikings beat the Saints in 2019. Kirk Cousins in that game, he played pretty good in that game, and he helped the Vikings beat Drew Brees and Sean Payton in New Orleans. So he did pretty good in that game. Now, overall, his career record in the postseason, Kirk Cousins is 1-2 and two in the postseason. He has three touchdowns, one interception, seven 174 passing yards. He's completed 62% of his passes. That's his numbers in the postseason. So not very impressive. And it's funny because when I look at the NFC, the Eagles are led by Jalen Hurts. The 49ers are led by rookie quarterback Brock Purdy. The Giants are led by Daniel Jones. The Cowboys, they got Dak Prescott. The only other veteran quarterback that's in the NFC that has the longevity that Kirk Cousins has is Tom Brady. I mean, there's no other experienced quarterback in the NFC besides Tom Brady that Kirk Cousins has to worry about. I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to get a lot of style points if the Vikings beat the Giants because the Giants are not considered to be a juggernaut in the NFC, like the 49ers are, or like the Eagles are, but I definitely think it can hurt Kirk Cousins when it comes to the conversation as to whether or not the Vikings could ever win a Super Bowl with him if they lose this game. Kirk Cousins has to get it done Sunday afternoon against this Giants football team. So far this year, his completion percentage, he's ranked 15th in the NFL. His passing yards per game is 268 passing yards per game. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. He's averaging seven yards per pass attempt. That's ranked 15th in the NFL. And his passing touchdowns is tied for fifth. His 14 interceptions, though, is tied for 28th. That's his NFL rank in the major statistical categories. So, Kirk Cousins, I, I, I believe that he's better than Daniel Jones is, but we know that this Vikings offense is led by Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson will be the best player on the field when these two teams face off against each other Sunday afternoon in Minnesota. Justin Jefferson had a great, great season this year. 128 receptions, 1,809 Receiving yards, eight touchdowns. I believe Justin Jefferson should have been in the NFL MVP conversation. I don't think that the Vikings would be 13-4 and four without Justin Jefferson. The same way Jamar Chase had a great rookie season last year for the Bengals, that's the same thing Jefferson has done this year for the Vikings. But offensively, the Vikings, they have other pieces in that offense who can contribute for this football team. They got Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen is a proven number two option at receiver. Dalvin Cook is an underrated running back in this league. We don't give Dalvin Cook enough credit for being able to produce for the Vikings offense. 
Now, this year, when you look at the Vikings' running game, they averaged 98 rushing yards per game. That's tied for 27th in the NFL. So they don't run the ball enough for my liking. I think they should give the ball to Dalvin Cook much more often than they do. I think Dalvin Cook can definitely produce for this Vikings offense, and you won't need Kirk Cousins to drop back the pass 40 or 40 times to win football games. If Dalvin Cook can help this Vikings offense with his productivity in the running game, I think that will be a recipe for success for this Vikings football team as they start this playoff journey. But another key trade that was made midseason by a contender in the NFL was the Vikings going out and getting TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions. That was a great pickup. TJ Hawkinson, he wanted an opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl, and the Vikings gave him just that when they made that trade midseason. So far this, this year, Hawkinson, 60 receptions, 519 passing yards, three touchdowns. I think he could be a great, great weapon for Kirk Cousins in the red zone for the Vikings once they get inside the 20. 6'5". So he can definitely help Kirk Cousins and be a reliable red zone target for the Vikings to be able to score points. So this, this matchup is, is going to be interesting. It's crazy because when you look at the numbers from the Week 16 meeting, even though the Vikings beat the Giants, the Giants, they won in every major statistical category in that game. The Giants, they had 444 total yards. The Vikings had 353. The Giants had 319 passing yards. The Vikings had 270. The Giants had 126 rushing yards. The Vikings had 83 rushing yards. The Giants averaged 6.7 yards per play. The Vikings averaged 5 yards per play. So the Vikings won the game, but the Giants, they won in every major statistical category. So uh, this, this, this matchup is interesting. A lot of people are picking the Giants with an upset. And I, I've been going back and forth all week uh, with, my, with my prediction. But I want to say this real quick, too, real quick about the coaches. We got two first-year head coaches going up against each other. Brian Dayball versus Kevin O'Connell. I give Kevin O'Connell a lot of credit for what he's been able to do this year with Kirk Cousins because last year and in previous seasons, I don't believe that Mike Zimmer believed in Kirk Cousins the way that Kevin O'Connell believes in Cousins. And so I think knowing that his head coach believes in him, I think that has given Kirk Cousins confidence to help this Vikings offense play at a high level. So this is, this is a good coaching matchup, but I would probably give the slight edge to Brian Dayball over Kevin O'Connell. What Dayball has been able to do with Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is not on the same level as Kirk Cousins is. What Dayball has been able to do with Daniel Jones, it's a great, great coaching job in his first season. 
in his first season, the impact that he's had on Daniel Jones, I can't say enough about it. So I give Brian Dayball the advantage when it comes to the two head coaches in this game. So with all that being said, even though the Vikings beat the Giants in week 16, even though the Vikings had a record of 13 and four to finish the season. I am rolling with the New York Giants to upset the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium Sunday afternoon in Minnesota. I'm going Giants 24, Vikings 21. This is my upset pick of the weekend. I believe that the Giants are going to pull off the upset over the Vikings. So that's what I got. Giants 24, Vikings 21. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Call to the show. Give me your predictions for Wild Card Weekend. The number to dial, 513-203-8655. Come out the break, I'm going to discuss my playoff quarterback rankings, 1 to 14. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Which matchup on Wild Card Weekend are you most excited about seeing? Give me your prediction on which game we should all be looking forward to the most. Also, who is your top five playoff quarterbacks one through five call me in give them to me and that's actually where i'm going to begin my next segment the ringer they came out with their nfl playoff quarterback rankings one through 14 and i'm going to give some key players at key numbers on their list and their rankings tom brady came in at number nine Joe Burrow, number four. Josh Allen, number three. Justin Herbert, number two. And Patrick Mahomes at number one. So I'm going to give my list on my NFL playoff quarterback rankings, one through 14. I'm going all the way through, one through 14, here shortly. But I want to say this real quick about the ringer in their list. They are absolutely ridiculous for ranking Justin Herbert above Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. This is Justin Herbert's first playoff appearance. How in the hell are you going to rank Justin Herbert above Josh Allen and Joe Burrow? Makes no sense to me. And I love Justin Herbert. I love Justin Herbert. I, I believe that Justin Herbert is one of the best young quarterbacks that we have in the NFL. And I believe that he's a franchise quarterback for this L.A. Chargers organization moving forward. 
I love his arm strength. I love his athleticism. But you can't say that Justin Herbert is going to be a better playoff quarterback over Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. I guess the ringer forgot about Josh Allen's performance last year in the division around playoff game against Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen was sensational in that game. He had four touchdowns, 329 passing yards in that game. I know they came up short, but they didn't lose that game because of Josh Allen. Josh Allen was great in that playoff game. And then Joe Burrow, the way he led the Bengals on their playoff run last year, getting to the Super Bowl, and if it wasn't for Aaron Donald, Joe Burrow would have a Super Bowl championship on his resume. I'm sorry. I can't say that Justin Herbert is better than Josh Allen and Joe Burrow in the playoffs yet. I got to see how Herbert performs in his first playoff action this weekend against Trevor Lawrence. But with all that being said, it's time for my NFL playoff quarterback rankings list. And when I did my list, I factored in everything. I factored in what I anticipate. I factored in their regular season and how they performed. I factored in even previous playoff performances. I factored that in as well. All that came into play when I did my 1 through 14 NFL playoff quarterback rankings. So let's start off with number 14, Skylar Thompson. No playoff experience. I mentioned his stats earlier. I think he got like one touchdown, three interceptions. I love Tyreek Hill. I love Jalen Waddle, but Thompson doesn't have any playoff experience. I don't trust him in the regular season being able to lead this Dolphins football team, let alone in the playoffs. Skylar Thompson is my 14th ranked quarterback in the playoffs. Number 13, Brock. Hardy is my 13th ranked quarterback. I believe that Brock Purdy is average, but he doesn't have any playoff experience either. And you look at his numbers in five starts this year, Brock Purdy has 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions. He got 13 touchdowns overall, but because he doesn't have any playoff experience, and he hasn't really played in any big games. I can't have him higher than 13th. Now, let's go to my 12th best quarterback in my rankings. It's Tyler Huntley. This is assuming Lamar Jackson will not play. He's doubtful for their game against the Bengals because if Lamar Jackson was playing, obviously he would be higher up on my list. but. It's going to be Tyler Huntley for the Ravens. And I got Tyler Huntley at 12. Tyler Huntley, I believe he's the best backup quarterback in the NFL. You can make an argument for Cooper Rush, but I like Tyler Huntley as a backup quarterback. So he's my 12th quarterback on my NFL quarterback rankings. Coming in at number 11, it's Daniel Jones. On the season, Daniel Jones had 15 touchdowns, five interceptions led his team to the playoffs, and Daniel Jones, 
probably earned himself a new contract because he had arguably his best season of his career under Brian Dayball. But I don't know how Daniel Jones is going to perform in the playoffs. So I got him at 11. Number 10, I have Geno Smith. Geno Smith comes in at number 10 on my NFL playoff quarterbacks list. I believe that Geno Smith should be in the conversation for NFL Comeback Player of the Year award. This year, Geno Smith had 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He had 4,282 passing yards, completed 70% of his passes, which is the best in the NFL. And those 4,000 passing yards that he had this year, that's the most in a single season ever in Seahawks history. And I think that Geno Smith will be the best quarterback on the field Saturday afternoon when the Seahawks play the 49ers. Geno Smith is my 10th ranked NFL quarterback. Coming in at number nine is Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, I believe that Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, not great. For the season, Dak Prescott had 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 2,860 passing yards. But Dak Prescott, for his career, he only has one playoff win. He's one and three in the playoffs. Six touchdowns, three interceptions in the playoffs. So only one playoff win for Dak on the Cowboys. I can't go no higher than ninth for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is my ninth best NFL playoff quarterback. Coming in at number eight is Kirk Cousins. I believe that Kirk Cousins had a very, very quiet, good season, 29 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. But in the playoffs, similar to Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins only has one playoff win. It came against Drew Brees in 2019 in New Orleans, so it was an impressive win, but he only has one playoff win so far in his career. So I think Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott are on the same level, and they are equivalent quarterbacks. The only reason why I give Kirk Cousins the slight edge over Dak is because there are times where Kirk Cousins can get hot and he doesn't miss throws at all. He connects on every single pass that he throws. It happened in the second half against the Indianapolis Colts. So Kirk Cousins comes in as my eighth NFL playoff quarterback. Coming in at number seven, Trevor Lawrence. Yes, Trevor Lawrence is my seventh best NFL playoff quarterback. And I look at Trevor Lawrence and what Trevor Lawrence has been able to do this year under Doug Peterson. It's been very, very impressive. So far this year in the regular season, Kirk Cousins had 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 4,113 passing yards. So Kirk Cousins, I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence, I believe has progressed this year and definitely has taken steps forward 
to being a young elite quarterback in his sophomore season. I love what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence so far this year. And you got to give a lot of credit to Doug Peterson. But Trevor Lawrence has played in a lot of big games so far during his football career. That's why I got him ranked above Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Tyler Huntley, and Geno Smith. I've seen Trevor Lawrence in big playoff games in college perform at a high level. I've seen it. I've seen it. That's why Clemson were contenders in the college football playoffs year in and year out. So Trevor Lawrence is my seventh best NFL playoff quarterback. Coming in at number six on my list, it is Jalen Hurts. I love the season that Jalen Hurts had this year. Before his injury, he was in the NFL MVP conversation, and Jalen Hurts is one of the main reasons why the Philadelphia Eagles are the number one seed in the NFC and the reason why the Super Bowl in the NFC goes through Philadelphia. I love what I saw from Jalen Hurts this year. The, the progress that he made and the way he elevated his game for the Philadelphia Eagles football team is something that I admire and I believe we have to give him credit for. We really, really do. Now, he did play in the playoffs last year. They got blown off the field by the Buccaneers. They lost on wild card weekend, but I thought Jalen Hurts did a great job even getting the Eagles to the playoffs last year. But I got Jalen Hurts in at number six on my NFL playoff quarterback rankings. Now, here's my top five, and here's where it gets interesting. Very, very interesting. Again, I'm factoring everything in this. Previous playoff performances, your regular season performance this year, how I believe you're going to do in the playoffs. So I factored all of that into this. Coming in at number five on my quarterback playoff list is none other than Tom Brady. Tom Brady has 35 career playoff wins. The Packers, Steelers, and Patriots are the only teams that have more playoff wins than Tom Brady. We know how great of a playoff performer Tom Brady is. He is the most clutch quarterback in NFL history. He is the most accomplished quarterback in NFL history. And because of that, that's why he is universally recognized as the GOAT. Tom Brady is number five on my NFL playoff quarterback rankings. Now to number four on my NFL playoff quarterback rankings, none other than Justin Herbert. The ringer had Herbert at number two. They were wrong. Herbert is the fourth best quarterback on the list. We know his talent. Herbert has great arm strength. He has great pocket awareness. And he's one of the best throwers of the football in the NFL. You can win a Super Bowl with Justin Herbert. This is his first playoff appearance, though. So we don't know how he's going to perform this weekend against the Jaguars. But he comes in at number four for me because of his ability. Of course, Tom Brady has won more playoff games and played better in big games than Herbert has. But Herbert's ability and his talent warrants him to be top five. This is where it gets tricky for me. 
And I, I, I went back and forth with my second and third pick. I'm going to roll with Joe Burrow as my third NFL playoff quarterback. We know last year Joe Burrow went on a great run for the Cincinnati Bengals. He led the Bengals to the Super Bowl, and they won their first playoff game in over 30 years. Joe Burrow had a great season last year, fresh off of ACL surgery. And last year, the Bengals had the worst offensive line in the NFL. Joe Burrow got sacked seven times in the playoff game against the Titans last year. And he still led the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. Last year, he led the NFL and completion percentage. And this year, Joey B did good again for the Cincinnati Bengals overall as a football team. And he's the reason why the Bengals are now legit contenders, not only in the AFC North, but in the AFC overall. 35 touchdowns, 12 interceptions this year. He was sensational. Joe Burrow is my third best NFL playoff quarterback. Coming in at number two, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, last year against the Kansas City Chiefs, Josh Allen went throw for throw, pass for pass with Patrick Mahomes. He had over 300 passing yards in that game, four touchdown passes, and they didn't lose that game because of Josh Allen. They lost that game because that Bills defense could not stop Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs from getting into field goal range with only 13 seconds left. That's the reason why they lost that game. But Josh Allen, we know his ability. He can move around in the pocket. He's athletic, has a great, great arm, arguably has the best arm in the NFL as a quarterback. Josh Allen is the real deal. He's the real deal. Sometimes he turns the football over. In the red zone, he has bad turnovers. But we know how gifted Josh Allen is. But before I get to my number one and my best NFL playoff quarterback, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow both were a toss-up for me. Like, I believe that Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are both 2A and 2B. I, I had to pick one over the other, so I rolled with Josh Allen. But if someone tells me that they believe that Joe Burrow is better than Josh Allen is, and a lot of Bengal fans will tell you that, I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you because I understand the greatness of a Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow won a championship and a Heisman Trophy at the University of LSU. So I know how great Joe Burrow is, but I, like him and Josh Allen are on the same level to me. And I think the, depending on how this playoff run ends for each of them, that's going to determine whether or not I believe that Joe Burrow or Josh Allen is better than the other. Now, my number one playoff quarterback this year is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has played in a lot of playoff games in his career. He's 8-3 and three in the playoffs. He got 28 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 3,381 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes. The Chiefs have been to the last four AFC Championship games, and it's because of Patrick Mahomes. 
he comes in as number one on my NFL playoff quarterback rankings. Give me your thoughts on my quarterback playoff rankings. I'm going to start over. I'm going to say it one more time. At 14, I got Skylar Thompson. At 13, I got Brock Purdy. At 12, I got Tyler Huntley. At 11, I got Daniel Jones. At 10, I got Geno Smith. At 9, I got Dak Prescott. At 8, I got Kirk Cousins. 7, Trevor Lawrence. 6, Jalen Hurts. 5, Tom Brady. 4, Justin Herbert. 3, Joe Burrow. 2, Josh Allen. And number 1, Patrick Mahomes. Those are my NFL playoff quarterback rankings. That's what I got. Call to the show. Give me your opinion on my NFL playoff quarterback rankings. Coming out the break, I'm going to preview the matchup in the NFC between the Cowboys and Buccaneers on Monday night. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. We're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore Wait. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to the NFC. It's the four versus five matchup in the NFC. It's the Dallas Cowboys favored by two and a half points. Traveling the Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's an 8-15 kickoff on ESPN. The over-under for this game is 45 and a half points. It's Dak Prescott. It's Tom Brady. It's CeeDee Lamb. It's Mike Evans. Let's break down this matchup between these two teams. Now, these two teams played against each other. Week one, so a very, very long time ago, in Dallas, the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys 19-13. to That was the game where Dak Prescott got injured in that game. He wasn't doing much before he got injured, though. They were already struggling. But in that game, Tom Brady went 18-27. of He threw for 212 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Leonard Fournette had 21 carries, 127 rushing yards. No touchdowns for the Cowboys. Prescott went 14 of 29. He threw for 134 passing yards, one interception. And Cooper Rush went 7 of 13. He threw for 64 passing yards. That's where Prescott injured his thumb. So that was a long time ago. Very, very long time ago. So this matchup between these two teams is going to be epic. And I want to start off with the Cowboys because when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, Obviously, they are led by head coach Mike McCarthy. And I believe that if the Cowboys get upset in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 8-9, and and if they weren't in the NFC South, the worst division in the NFL, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. Wouldn't even be in the playoffs. If Mike McCarthy doesn't find a way to coach his team to victory, Monday night in Tampa, 
I believe Jerry Jones will fire Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys will be in the Sean Payton sweepstakes. I think that's why we haven't seen Sean Payton accept a head coaching gig yet because I think he's waiting to see what Jerry Jones is going to do with Mike McCarthy. Remember last year, the Cowboys, they were at home against the 49ers. They were the three seed in the NFC. They were the favorites, and they lost that game against the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. And that was a bad loss for that Cowboys football team. And last year, they were the most penalized team in the NFL, and they had a lot of penalties even in the preseason this year. And so people had questions about Mike McCarthy when it comes to whether or not he actually has a disciplined football team. That's what your main job is as a head coach. You have to make sure that your football team is a team that doesn't have unnecessary penalties and they don't put themselves in position to lose games because of penalties. Also, they are a team that doesn't do well with time management. Remember last year on the last drive of the game, Cowboys were trying to score a touchdown to beat the 49ers, and they ran a quarterback sneak with Dak Prescott up the middle. They didn't have much time left on the clock, no timeouts, and they weren't able to spike the ball in time enough to be able to run another play. That's on Mike McCarthy. So he has a very, very undisciplined football team, and they also don't do well in managing the clock in key moments in football games. So that's why I had to start off with, if Mike McCarthy doesn't get it done and the Cowboys lose this game, I believe Jerry Jones will make a change. Now, I know Jerry Jones said he's going to stick with Mike McCarthy. I don't believe Jerry Jones one bit. I don't believe him one bit. Jerry Jones wants to win another Super Bowl, and if Mike McCarthy has another early playoff exit, I believe that he will be fired sometime this week. Dak Prescott this year. Dak Prescott got 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 2,860 passing yards. He's completed 66 percent of his passes, but Dak Prescott has been a turnover machine this year. You look at Dak Prescott in his interceptions. This was 2016 through 2021. His percentage of attempts was 1.7. And he, in 17 games, he had 10 interceptions. This year, his percentage of attempts increased. This year is 3.8. And in 17 games, he got 21 interceptions. So he had 15 interceptions this season. So he's turned the ball over way, way too much for this Cowboys offense to be effective. Now, offensively, we know they have Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. They also got Tony Pollard. I believe Tony Pollard is the number one running back on this football team for the season. Tony Pollard has 193 carries, 1,007 rushing yards nine touchdowns, but Ezekiel Elliott is their power back. So when they get into the red zone, they hand the ball out to Zeke. Zeke got 12 total touchdowns during the regular season. So he's their power back. But Tony Pollard is better than Ezekiel Elliott overall. I know Ezekiel Elliott has the contract, but Tony Pollard is more productive in this Cowboys offense than Zeke is. They are led by CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is on the come up as a receiver in the NFL. And this year, the goal for CeeDee Lamb 
was to prove that he could be a number one receiver in this Cowboys offense with the departure of Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb this year, 107 receptions, 1,359 receiving yards, nine touchdowns this year. So I believe he's their number one receiver, and he's the most reliable option for Dak Prescott. I think that's who Dak Prescott trusts the most in the passing game. I want to see which other receiver can step up in this Cowboys offense to be a consistent number two receiver. They did sign T.Y. Hilton, the veteran receiver. So I want to see what if he can produce in this Cowboys offense. You still got Michael Gallup. You still got Brown at receiver as well. And in that tight end, you still got Dalton Schultz. So I want to see who can step up and be that consistent number two receiver for this Cowboys offense. Now, defensively, we know that they are led by defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. And the best player on the Cowboys football team overall is Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons this year has 14 sacks. 14 sacks. He's the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. He is a dominant football player. You still got Demarcus Lawrence up front. At linebacker, you got Van Der Esch. And you still got Anthony Barr at linebacker as well. They're secondary, though. That's the, that's the one part of their defense that's the weakness to me. I know Trayvon Diggs is big time. And I expect Trayvon Diggs to be matched up with Mike Evans. Mike Evans is the number one receiver for the Buccaneers. Trayvon Diggs is going to get that opportunity to match up against Mike Evans. But... Ever since they lost their other corner, the Cowboys haven't been very good. They have not been very good, and opposing teams know that the opposite side of Diggs is the weakness in the Cowboys' defense. So defensively, the Cowboys, we look at their statistics overall, they, have, they only give up 201 passing yards per game. That's ranked eighth in the NFL. They only give up 20 total points per game. That's tied for fifth in the NFL. But you can run against that Cowboys defense. They give up 129 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 22nd in the NFL. But the problem is the Cowboys' weakness is the Buccaneers' weakness because the Buccaneers cannot run the football. They are a one-dimensional football team. The Buccaneers, they average 77 rushing yards per game. That's ranked dead last in the NFL. Dead last. So they can't run the football at all. Leonard Fournette this year got 189 carries, 668 rushing yards. He doesn't even have 1,000 yards rushing this year. So, like, I want to say the Buccaneers could expose the Cowboys because of their inability to stop the run, but the Buccaneers don't have a good running game at all. At all. They are a one-dimensional football team, and they rely on Tom Brady. Tom Brady this year, 25 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 4,694 passing yards. So we know how great Tom Brady is in the postseason. He Again, 35 career playoff wins for Tom Brady. Only the Packers, Steelers, and Patriots have more playoff wins 
than Tom Brady. So when you look at the quarterbacks in this matchup, I'm going with Tom Brady over Dak Prescott. And this is why I believe the Buccaneers have a chance to pull off the upset. But one of the keys is going to be that matchup between Mike Evans and Trayvon Diggs. Whoever wins that matchup, I believe that team will win this football game. I believe that team will win the game, whoever wins that matchup between those two players. Tom Brady, he looks for Mike Evans in key moments because no one else in this Buccaneers team has been as consistent as Mike Evans has been. Now, Chris Godwin this year, he got 104 receptions, over 1,000 receiving yards, three touchdowns, but he hasn't had the impact that Mike Evans has had. He, he, he just hasn't. I still think Chris Godwin can be a solid contributor to this Buccaneers offense in the passing game, and I think that's what it's going to take for the Buccaneers to pull off the upset over the Dallas Cowboys. You look at the Buccaneers offensively, they averaged 270 passing yards per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. So it's going to be important for the Buccaneers to be able to rely on Tom Brady to win this game for them because they don't have a running game to speak of whatsoever. Now, obviously, they are led by head coach Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich is their offensive coordinator. I'm interested to see their game plan in this game because the Cowboys, they don't do well at stopping the run, but the, the, the Buccaneers don't have a running game at all. And this is a game where the Cowboys, they are the favorites. They have the better football team, and they've had a better season this year than the Buccaneers have had. They have all the pressure on them as we head into this matchup on Monday Night Football. I mean, the Buccaneers, honestly, they're, they're playing with house money at this point. They're playing with house money because they weren't even expected to be here considering they had an 8-9 record. They barely won the NFC South. So uh, this is dangerous for the Cowboys. But with all that being said, I'm going to roll with the Cowboys. I'm going to roll with the Cowboys to beat the Bucs in Tampa. It's going to be high scoring. I'm going Dak Prescott, 28, Tom Brady, 27. That's my prediction. I'm rolling with the Cowboys to beat the Buccaneers in Tampa, 28-27. I think it's going to be a great game, though. I really, And it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me one bit if the Buccaneers upset the Cowboys. Wouldn't shock me one bit. So, everybody, go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. It's going to be a great, great wild card weekend. Everybody enjoy NFL Wild Card Weekend. I'm Trey Larkin signing off the Worldwide Sports Network. Enjoy your weekend. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.